I'm amazed how many people own stocks. Welcome to the Playing Footsie Podcast. My name's Paul, and each episode, me and the lads get together to talk about the stocks, stock market news, and finance in general. Quick disclaimer, you shouldn't consider anything in this podcast as personal financial advice. If you need such advice, go to a financial advisor. And please remember, when investing in any form, your capital is at risk. So sit back, relax, and let the lads fill you in with all the stock market news of the week. The sucker's going up. <laughs> all right. Welcome, 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 welcome to the Playing Footsie podcast. We have a lot to talk about because it's been a jam-packed week full of news. With me today, we've got Steve D and Steve W. Uh, every week, we try and bring you a little bit of information about the stock market, maybe a bit of financial news, and we just generally spat out our opinions on it. Um, how's it been this week, uh, Steve W, Steve D? Um, stocks are going well, and uh, how are we feeling? Feeling all right, Paul, actually. Stocks are going reasonably well. It's very nice to have you back, by the way. Uh, glad you're feeling better. You look much happier and better and sound a lot better as well. Um, <laughs> I found out what this week that one of my companies is getting sued, and normally this is the kind of thing that, well, historically, it's kind of shaken me out of positions a little bit. Um, uh, and this happens a lot more with kind of big tech things rather than the stuff I'm talking about here. But it's actually Kellogg's uh, that there's a, a class action lawsuit coming out against here. Um, specifically, the class action lawsuit concerns Pop-Tarts uh, and the frosted strawberry Pop-Tarts, claiming that they, <laughs> came, uh, they contain fewer than expected actual strawberries. Um, and there's a class law action lawsuit out against them worth $5 million, I think, is what they're after, um, for the lack of strawberries in strawberry-flavoured Pop-Tarts. I believe it's listed on the side of the pack, by the way. Uh, but if you wanted to know how to get rich in, um, in Kellogg's, it's probably not by owning the stock, I guess. It might just be by uh, <laughs> suing them for filling strawberry Pop-Tarts with uh, apples and pears instead of um, those things. The stock's actually doing fine. It's gone up again this week. I think that's mostly because of a falling pound on my account, but... Um, it's been a reasonable week in stocks, mostly for that reason. Yeah, Dow's done pretty well, and it, um, it's gone up. I, I must have gained over a thousand pound in my portfolio this week. Just um, I haven't really been looking. I know we've had a bit of a, a UK to US uh, currency boost, haven't we, due to inflation and things. We might even get onto a little bit about that later. Um, but uh, Steve D, how are you feeling? Um- I'm feeling dull is the word that I would say. I've, I am COVID positive at the moment, so um not feeling... What are you um, doing here? You should be wearing a mask. I don't well, want to be catching that. You've got anti- <laughs> have you got antivirus installed? You'll be fine. Um, <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm feeling all, all right-ish, to be honest. To be, uh, I think I'm over the worst of it. The, the weird feeling is not being able to smell and taste. When they tell you you won't be able to smell and taste and you think, ah, it'll just be... It'll be reduced. <clears throat> I'm sure I'll still be able to smell. You cannot smell and taste. You can't... Honestly... You might as well be eating paper. I had a rump, <laughs> I had a rump steak for tea, and I, honestly, you could have replaced it with kitchen roll and blindfolded me, and I wouldn't have known the difference. But anyway, stocks—that's um, <laughs> not a sir in my cooking. I cooked it really well. It, it felt cooked to perfection. Tasted like nothing. <laughs> um, but yeah, so um, stocks-wise, I've done really, really well. Um, Growth has had a pretty decent period, so, you know, that's what I'm into at the moment. I've been slimming my portfolio down a bit because I've started another portfolio elsewhere as well because I've uh, I maxed the ice limit out ages ago. So I'm currently watching um, 60 stocks, which is a lot harder than I thought it would be, especially as about 15 of them all um, <coughs> all announced earnings last week. So, um, 
yeah, I'm going to slim that down a little bit more. Uh, 60 is too many, but um, it's been a pretty good week. Good stuff, good stuff. Well, we've got a lot to talk about today. Uh, I'm going to split it into a couple of different categories. What have I got here? I've got a bit of earnings that we're going to look at today. We've got uh, a little bit of um, new stocks. There's a new IPO from Rivian, which we'll probably talk about. In fact, we'll get straight into that. And I'm going to talk about today a couple of stocks that did extremely well, probably through 2020 and earlier in the year. And are now absolutely tanking. And we're just going to have a quick look why. But we'll start. I just want to get straight into it. Rivian. I know Steve D knows a lot about Rivian. I don't know how much you know, Steve W. Um, uh, went IPO this week uh, at uh, $77 billion, I think it was the initial valuation. They revalued it down to $54 billion. And uh, I haven't looked at the price right now. But I think it's at something like $100 billion right now. Um just a quick run from you. Is it worth a hundred billion? No, um, I think it was the other <laughs> way around. Actually, I think it went sixty up to seventy-eight. Uh, then it IPO'd in, in nearly a hundred billion, and I think it's even higher than that now. I think it's probably in a hundred and yeah. hundred five mm. or hundred and ten. So um, you know, it hasn't actually shipped any cars other than to its own staff. Um, so I don't think it's it won't be impossible to be worth any money at the moment. I think we've briefly discussed this. Um, Steve and I, I think, and we reckon the best way to play this is to own Ford or probably just buy Amazon because they've got a decent-sized stake of it. Probably the other way, which I've just thought of off the top of my head, it's probably T-Row Price because I think they were a fairly early uh, yep. investor in Rivian and have proven to be very sort of studious um, tech investors over the last couple of years. It's good that you brought that up because I was just looking at that yesterday. Uh, Ford bought in uh, – they bought – Nine nine hundred and eighty million shares, or nine hundred and eighty million dollars worth of shares, when it was valued at about a billion. Uh, so Ford must be absolutely winning off that. And obviously, Amazon owns about twenty percent of Rivian right now. Um, and obviously, Amazon's kind of seems to be kind of funding the entire operation at the moment. And um, nothing has ever failed with Amazon, right? It depends what you mean by failed, I suppose. I mean, things do... Uh, there are still things that are kind of works in progress for Amazon. Um, uh, Deliveroo comes to mind here, I guess. They haven't quite worked out how to turn that into a, a sustaining business yet. You wouldn't say it's failed because it hasn't ended, but the thing is with Amazon, I don't know if things ever do fail or whether they just kind of go on not making any money forever, basically. <laughs> I think I was thinking of the Amazon phone... And there was like a, one of the versions of the Kindle, which just absolutely, I think they just ended it. But a, a lot of the price uh, of Rivian right now seems to be, as far as I can tell, based on um, the fact that Amazon is involved in it and Jeff Bezos got involved with it. And so as far as I can tell, that's the only reason for it to be going up right now. Amazon have got an order in, I think, for 100,000 uh, vans or something like that of yes, various different sizes. I think that's spread out over about eight years or so. I was looking at this because I'm very suspicious of Amazon's deals with these companies. I, when I looked closer at their deal with Plug Power, it turned out they were basically ripping Plug off and Plug were having to give the stuff away in exchange for equity. I can't see anything like that on Rivian's deal, for what it's worth. This does actually look to me to be a kind of genuine... Uh, sale or sale upcoming at the point that Rivian get round to actually producing uh, something, which is 
it's sort of reasonably encouraging. But yeah, this is a company that doesn't have any revenues. Steve's our usual expert on companies that don't have any kind of profits. But um, I don't know. No revenues is a bridge too far for you, Steve? It is It is when I'm paying $100 billion for the company. Mm. Yeah, it really is. I don't mind having no revenues if there's like, you know, execution just down the line and I'm paying a, maybe $500 million for the company or something like that. But the thing is with Rivian is um, they're, they're going to make trucks. Um whether or not they'll uh, sell them or not is a different is a different question. Now, when you compare that to some of the other van and uh, car companies that we've come across, like Warehouse and Lordstown, the question was never are they going to sell the trucks? It was whether they would ever actually make them. Um, Rivian's got the capital to do that. Um, it's all about execution now. Um, it's got a plant, right, as well. Yeah, it's got a plant. It's got it about it's twelve billion invested. in cash. It, it could quite easily. Um, become a success from this just from you know the monetary power alone but we, we'll, <coughs> we'll see i guess it's it's all up in the air yeah they said next year the rivian plant's going to cost about eight billion so that's like three quarters of their cash or two-thirds of their cash that's going to be taken up on this new plant um and i've actually got a story on work workhorse which i was going to bring in later now you've mentioned them but I, w I will keep it later because i'm glad you brought up uh, Rivian's Revenues. Rivian's Revenues? Oh, that's the name of the game. Wow. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I'm glad you brought up their revenues because uh, I've got a little game for you this week that I kind of put together. I haven't put put it together like a, a 10 system. I couldn't really find 10, to be honest with you. But um, <laughs> we ha I have got a mini game, and it's all based on Rivian's, Rivian's Revenues. Uh, I've Obviously, this year in 2021, uh, going in the first half, it's made zero revenue. Um, we know that. But it did uh, make some sales in 2020. And I don't know if you know that or not. You probably you might know a bit. Um, two questions to get you started off. Um, then, if you don't know in particular. in uh, These are going to be closest first. The first two questions that I'm going to ask you. All right. Okay. Um, and then after that, we'll go into our... Uh, uh, main chunk of our game, if it, if you will. So, uh, question number one to you guys, and it'll be the closest closest to. How many trucks did Rivian give out? <laughs> give out, but basically, how many trucks did Rivian deliver in twenty twenty? Hmm. I'll I'll just come up with a guess, and I'll say twenty. <laughs> oh, uh, I was going to go quite a bit higher than that. So I will go, you know, I'll go sportingly higher than that rather than say 21. Uh, I'll say uh, 250. Okay, we'll give the point to Steve D because the answer is 12, oh. uh, which is uh, I was much gonna go lower 11. than I thought as well. I was going to go 11. <laughs> For some reason, I thought, no, it may be a bit higher than that. I think they went to um, staff, these, if I seem to remember recalling. They've all been I, I'm pretty staff. sure they went to staff and someone, someone famous bought one as well. I can't remember who it was. Uh, okay, so the second question is very, very sim similar. Getting closer. In that year, 2020, how much in revenue did they make? Uh, in giving away a bunch of trucks. Hmm. <laughs> uh... I'll go. I'll go 11 million, and I've no idea where I'm pulling that figure from. Oh. <laughs> uh, okay, I would be surprised if it was that high. I'm not sure what else they make any revenue from. I know a lot about this company, as you can tell. Uh, by the way, after we finish chatting about it, I will just point out before I offer this guess, I was kind of hoping there wouldn't be a game after this because my entire set of Rivian facts I've already mentioned. Uh, but <laughs> unless there's a question, which is how is Rivian spelled, or where is its headquarters, <laughs> or what's the CEO's name, 
Ooh, uh, I no longer have anything of any value. <laughs> okay, I can also do the ticker. Um, uh, you said 11 million, Steve. Uh, let's say 2 million. Okay. Um, it's actually a much, much higher than you think it is. It's uh, 1.07 billion. Wow. So they actually made a billion in revenue. It led to uh, a billion in loss, but it is actually a billion. It must be pre-contract that- sales, is it? Something like that. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's it's all forwarded. Deposits. And, uh, there's, yeah, it's all... It, to be fair, I, I barely believe it myself, to be honest with you. But based on the, based on that information, I have gained a little bit of... Um, I've, I've gained some information from other companies on how much they earn and how much you think they should be worth as well. Uh, so what we've got, we've got numbers uh, two to nine. That's all I've got left. <laughs> I've, okay. labelled them. I've labelled them wrong. So uh, two to nine. And what I want you to do is when you when you uh, guess this num- uh, pick this number, I just want you to tell me if this company or individual's revenue is higher or lower than Rivian's revenue and whether we think they should be worth more, just as a, as a talking point afterwards. Obviously, you can tell this is a value. I'm making a point on value here. Uh, whether these companies should Hidden be message. worth that or not. Mm. Join All the right. Navy. So, oh. mm. Go on. Oh, no, okay. oh, we'll, we'll, we'll carry on then, um, whatever that was. Um, so, going first, Steve D, uh, pick a number, two to nine. Two. Number two is what? probably one of my favourite ones. Okay, um, the number one earner on... OnlyFans is a lady called Black China, and I have absolutely no idea what Mrs. Black China does on OnlyFans, but it Gets sounds scary. Out. <laughs> <laughs> I'd imagine. It sounds, like, just by the name, sca- sounds really, really scary. So, all I want you to tell me is, does Mrs. Black China, I, I assume she's a missus because she's an upstanding, lovely lady, I'm sure, um, does she earn more... <laughs> in revenue than uh, Rivian in 2020 or less. That's all well, I want you to I'm going to pull a random factoid here out of the back of my okay. brain that I'm certain she was going out with one of the Kardashian boys for quite a long period of time. So, using that knowledge, I would imagine she is fairly famous. So I'm going to say that she probably earns more. <laughs> Wait. How much did Rivian earn in revenues again in it's 2020? It's a billion. It's a billion, so it is a lot. A billion? <laughs> you think she makes more than a billion? <laughs> On OnlyFans? <laughs> Please tell me that's not true. <laughs> I, did, I, I didn't think these were going to be that close. I thought we were talking what? about the 11 million year, but I've said it now, so I'm going to stick with it. <laughs> no, it's, it's good. It's good, because I originally started... Writing this based on their earnings, which is a uh, hundred million, so I was kind of thinking, "Oh right, these will be close." But some of them, some of them, obviously aren't close. Mrs. Black China actually earns twenty million a month, which wow. uh, I, uh, which I actually, which based on Rivian's, um, <laughs> apparently based on Rivian's estimates on revenue, uh, values Mrs. Black China at eighteen billion. Uh, so she would be worth eighteen billion if she was a public company right now, based on Rivian, <laughs> Rivian's revenue takes. Okay, so that was mm. wrong. Uh, Steve W, uh, you've got. Three Can't believe it was wrong. Mm, if only Mrs. Black China didn't make cars. Oh well. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I'm amazed that Steve hasn't taken lucky number seven. That's why my 
I've had a small meltdown here. Let's try four. Number four. Oh, lovely. Uh, Steven Spielberg. Uh, uh, famously founded Ooh. DreamWorks. How much does mm. uh, DreamWorks take in uh, revenue? In I think it was 2020, this one. Higher or lower? Uh, this is higher or lower than revenue, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, oh, uh, DreamWorks in 2020. Uh, it wasn't a great year for things like DreamWorks, actually. Um, no, but let's go with that's let's go with it was higher than than Rivian. Oh, you've just missed out. That's a uh, uh, which we'll oh. do there. Uh, DreamWorks uh, made nine hundred and fifteen million in um, in I think it was twenty twenty. I apologise. These are very rough uh, sort of estimates. They're based on news articles <laughs> that I've pulled up probably ten minutes ago. Uh, but yeah, nine hundred and fifteen million. So it was very close. Um, but. Do, what do we value DreamWorks at? Um, I can't even really. Uh, they've, they've got the minions, so uh, is that worth maybe a hundred billion? Why not? Minions worth about a hundred well, billion, I reckon. Why not? Yeah. <coughs> we wouldn't have no There's certainly growth there. Karens would have nothing to meme with if it wasn't for the minions. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, next up, what what question you got? Um, which number you want? Uh, I'll. Um... I'm just going to say, it's not too late for me to add the media in um, and start doing the correct right and wrong answers, <laughs> but I am enjoying Paul's sound effect version, so I'm going to leave him to carry on. Uh, and I will have lucky number seven. Lucky number seven. Oh, another celebrity. I, I hope we never get one of these right, so Paul can just keep doing that noise. <laughs> I'm ready for him to just put some in his microwave to get the ping. <laughs> yeah. I'll, uh, oh, I might be able to find something like that, actually. Yeah. Um, so, uh, another celebrity, Kanye West, Mr. Yeezy himself. Um, how much does he earn in revenue, and uh, is it higher or lower than Rivian? Oh, that, that's got to be lower. That's That's got to be lower, hasn't it? I mean, I don't know anymore, <laughs> but yeah. You thought Black China was higher? Yeah, but the Kardashians so, are worth a fortune, aren't they? I just thought there might be some, like, you know, a lot of simping going on. They are indeed worth a fortune. Uh, Kanye West, I don't think, is part of the Kardashians anymore. I think they divorced. Um, that's my level of knowledge on, on Kanye West. But um, the answer is, uh, uh, un unbelievably, Kanye West takes in 1.5 billion of royalties, royalty sales each year. Jeez. So he is making a fucking fortune. Uh, estimated net worth is 6.6 .6 billion so he's the first sort of rapper billionaire um so if you uh if you basically rate his revenues against rivian's revenues uh kanye west should be worth around 70 billion that's what uh, i kind of worked out at that time but if we if we take um the current share price more like 120 billion i think which is absolutely ridiculous people stop buying stupid stuff He's um, right. he's uh, also on the you know on our Spotify metrics. He's on the uh, people also listen to list. So we you know <laughs> we are really selling to our audience here. Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much. Uh, if you listen to Kanye West, um, uh, is is Jesus is Jesus worth one point five billion? I, I have no idea. But he's got a great growth rate as well. Uh, something like thirty percent a year. Uh, he's growing. The, at. the top so, um, the top artists are Ed Sheeran. Kanye, uh, Adele, Drake, and Beatles. So obviously we, we just nestle nicely in between that bunch. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, next up. Uh, so everyone's got something wrong so far, uh, which is absolutely standard. Crazy. Yeah. 
Pretty much. Uh, I got an advert for something offering me 30% growth anyway, but that's a different <laughs> story. Uh, let's, uh, let's see what's gone on with nine, please. Number nine is HBO subscription revenue. So, uh, obviously, I love AT&T and HBO Max. Mm. How much do they bring in in subscription revenue? Higher or lower than... In 2020, revenue? huh? Um, HBO subscription revenue. So... I feel like this is going the wrong direction a little bit, but let's say it's still above market cap of AT&T is pretty high. Uh, so a billion isn't a huge amount by revenues for that particular bit of things. Um, yeah, let's go higher. Good job. Uh, ding. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, HBO Max's subscription revenue is 6.8 billion. So it is considerably high. Very nice. Very, very nice sound. Um, considerably higher than uh, Rivian's uh, revenue. Uh, but should that rate HBO Max? Because HBO Max is growing at a rate of, uh, I think it's like 15, 15, 16% a year. Should HBO Max be itself just be rated at 100 billion? Is it, has it got the same potential as Rivian has right now? No. No, no, you don't think so? so you you don't think... <laughs> <laughs> not, obviously being divested but the, can we can we not just get get the idea out here that like cars are a low margin business uh if they're not if you listen to tesla's megacast system but they're a low margin business and we're rating rivian right now at a hundred billion it just seems so silly and this is this whole game is designed to point out that there are companies making so much more money so I guess here's one thought that you might have. I mean, with Rivian, of course, they're they're going to do things reasonably soon is the idea. I mean, think about what your kind of investing time horizon is, I suppose. If you think you're looking at five years versus 10 years versus 30 years, that becomes quite a different story. Because if they produce pretty much not a lot for the next couple of years or so and give um, HBO Max a big head start on them, they might struggle to pull that back in again within 10 years, certainly within five over 30, it might be a slightly different um, ball game, but I guess it depends a bit on what your kind of time horizon is. So if you give them a, a big head start, Rivian might struggle to pull it back in again. Yeah, that's fair enough. It, it's just oh, just so ridiculous. All right, the next, uh, next uh, number. Eight is available, I think. Eight is available. We've got Paul McCartney, who's the celebrity here, and his company, MPL uh, Communications. Um, does that earn higher or lower? You mentioned the Beatles earlier, so we're staying on trend, staying, staying with it. Um, do they earn higher or lower in revenue every year? The Beatles earn a bit. Oh, we've lost the Steve. Go. Keep going. <laughs> Why did we lose the Steve? I don't know. The um, a billion for the Beatles seems like an awful lot at this kind of stage, but. Then again, I thought somebody on OnlyFans might be earning a billion. So, <laughs> uh, it can't be more than a billion, can it? No, it's not more than a billion. No, it's less. <laughs> Steve was like, we're not talking about fucking Paul McCartney. I'm out of here. <laughs> and we're back. Okay, Steve's back from his, uh, from his break because he... Apparently doesn't like Paul McCartney, but before the break, <laughs> uh, Steve D guessed that 
Paul McCartney's company, MPL Communications, earns less than Rivian right now. And you are correct, mate. It's a, it's a ding. Ding. Um, <laughs> uh, They're pathetic. MPL <laughs> <laughs> uh, earns 350... Oh, that's a nice ding. Uh, we'll earns that. 350 we'll million in uh, revenue. And of that, 100... And, uh, Paul McCartney earns 100 million a year just in shows and uh, i worked out that that rates him at roughly uh based on uh rivian's revenue uh, rivian's revenues and their comparison it works out that if paul, paul mccartney's company was public he'd be worth about 18 to 20 billion right now based on based on the hype so um yeah it's just absolutely crazy okay next number we have uh, six three five and six i think yeah three five and six left Okay, let's go with number six. Is it you? <laughs> if you could, uh, if you could see my <laughs> revenue, uh, I, yeah. Well, to be fair, I'm earning more than I'm earning more than Rivian is. <laughs> they lost a billion in earnings this year, so I'm probably worth. What am I worth? Like four hundred billion in comparison to Rivian right now? I, I, who knows? Uh, I've. I've, there's a battery in my car, if anyone cares. Uh, so, and it's probably self charges as well. So. Uh, yeah, I'm just I'm I'm, a, uh, I'm worth way more than Rivian. But number six is Rolls Royce. How much in revenue does Rolls Royce uh, in 2020? How much revenue did Rolls Royce mm. take? So that was a horrible year, uh, 2020 for Rolls Royce, and it basically was characterised by them, I think, issuing stock and taking on debt and selling off enormous parts of their business. Um, so. I'm not sure here exactly what counts as revenue. Selling off bits of your business doesn't go through your revenue, does it? If you sell off your entire <laughs> um, part of your company, I think that might be where that thing came from. So above or below a billion? I'd go with below a billion actually on this. Ooh. Which? Oh, yeah, that was that's bad. That's bad. This was quite a big herring really thrown in. It's uh, oh. actually 21 billion in revenue. Oh wow! Yeah, uh, so, I was going to so say it's quite a quite bit, considerably higher. But I, it was uh, based on that. What the the highlight of this one was that it has a twelve point three billion market cap. So how how can you comp this? I, I know you don't want to just compare this on revenue alone, and you don't want to say that Rivian isn't a better company than Rolls Royce. But how can Rivian be worth a hundred billion when Rolls Royce who is heading into certain markets and is a vehicle maker or at least an engine maker yeah i know that's gonna be my question of how much debt does rivian have or does anyone know how much debt rivian has i, I actually don't think it has any i think it's all through vc it's, so it's, it's um, a really interesting one that kind of comes out occasionally or it feel like retail misses this a fair bit we kind of don't really feel the force of debt because a lot of us haven't been investing for that long and debt hasn't really had that much time to drag and it's been a cheap time to take out debt, and it doesn't really go through your, doesn't do much to your revenues, doesn't do much to your kind of income statement, at least while it's kind of new and at low rates and so on. And I wonder whether that's going to be something that comes back to surprise people quite a bit. So the other example of this that I have in mind is IAG, um, which is, as far as I can tell, hugely debt loaded at the moment, and the usual line that comes out here is, it's a flag carrier, it's not going to go bust. Uh, and that may well be true, um, but you can not go bust without making very much money. I'm not going bust, but I don't make very much money. Um, and I'm, I'm not government backed. 
But if this is bond investing, we would care about um, whether or not something is going bust, and that would pretty much do, because as long as you don't go broke, you're going to get whatever you're due on your bond here. But I I do wonder about how much we kind of pay attention to debt closely enough as, as sort of retail yeah, really new investors. We hear it a lot when people say, oh, it's a flag carrier, it's not going anywhere. Well, the idea is that in mm. investing, you want it to go somewhere. Yeah, definitely. Okay, uh, number three and number five left. I'll have three. <laughs> number three. Uh, this is Jifpom, the world's most famous Instagram dog. Uh, <laughs> how much <laughs> does that earn in comparison? Uh, how much does it bring in in sales in comparison to Rivian? <clears throat> yeah, it's it's going to be less than Rivian. It has to be. Yeah, you're right. It is less than Rivian, but I just wanted to bring in the uh, most amazing. It, it, Google it. I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you five seconds to Google it right now. Uh, one, two, three. Jeff Pom, by the way. One, two, three, four, five. Yeah, it's a cute fucking dog, isn't it? Um, is it dead? It's quite a fu- uh, don't think he's dead. No, there was a Twitter rumor that he was dead, um, <laughs> but he's not. Uh, <laughs> he's, uh, this is all uh, this is all satirical. But yeah, cute fucking dog. Um, earns approximately thirty-two thousand per post. I calculated that at four per day because it looks like they have about four per day, which is about forty-six million per year. Uh, so that thing is ridiculously cute. <laughs> It is a ridiculously cute dog that earns forty six million in revenue per year. So a lot less than Rivian, of course. Um, but uh, I just wanted to throw that one in because it's a it's a cute dog. Uh, so uh, Steve W, finally you have number five, which yeah. is Christie's auction house has been making a lot of news recently because it in September it crossed F- NFT revenue of a hundred million. So in September it finally crossed. Uh, internet, magical internet tokens have been sold at 100 million through Christie's auction house. But uh, in 2020, how much in revenue did they take from their auction houses? More or less than a billion, huh? In 2020, I'd much rather have had the Jifpom question. Although, in fairness, <laughs> I've not heard of Jifpom, so I naturally assumed that the most famous Instagram dog was Dividend Bloodhound Investing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, who I'm pretty sure makes close to a billion in revenues every year. Uh, <laughs> so that would have been a better question, I think. But uh, Christie's auction house then in 2020 in revenues, 100 million or so you said in NFTs by themselves. Uh, so can they get themselves to a billion with lumps of art and furniture and whatever else they're flogging in there? Um, I teach an aesthetics course, by the way, where we don't talk about lumps of art or furniture or that kind of thing. But uh, <laughs> um, I will suggest they made more, and I hope I'm wrong because I really don't want a tie break. They did, of course, make more. Yeah, four point oh, four billion, according to the argu- uh, to the article that I looked at earlier. But yeah, uh, Christie's auction house making four point four billion dollars. Uh, which would currently rate them at around thirty billion in market cap if they were public. I don't actually know if they're public or not. Um, but yeah, hundred billion, hundred million in NF- NFTs, big big money in September. I have a sense they might be public because I think when we had Damien on here, they were one of the answers on his ticker symbol game. Okay. I could oh, be yeah, wrong right, about okay. that. No, there was Maybe. somebody else. That... Was it? Was it a different? Yeah, one? that was somebody else. I think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, uh, well done to Steve D. Wasn't that one? I, wasn't I, thought, actually keeping... I thought that was two each. I thought Steve got nine. Uh, Steve got eight and two, and I got nine and five. 
Yeah, but I got uh, the first two questions on Rivian, right? Yeah, that was on. <laughs> oh, that's true. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was the one. He was true. Yeah, ahead. that is you. Uh, uh, it's 4 2. So, well then, clap, 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 clap. Well done. Uh, that was a game that I put together in about 10 minutes. I uh, hope it did really well. So, we're going to move on. We'll move on to what do you want to talk about? Do you want to talk about. Should we talk, out, talk about Elon? Uh, let's talk about what he's been up to this week. Um, Elon Musk has been tweeting again and causing a lot of crap. Um, Anyone want to run this story? Sure. Uh, Elon's had a poll asking whether he should sell 10% of his uh, Tesla shares, I think. Um, And he said he would abide by the results of the poll, whatever they say. Uh, And the results of the poll came down, yes, uh, that he should. So I believe he's off to go and sell them again. And Elon dropping 10% of his stake into the market um, has coincided with, and I'm not going to say cause for reasons I'll come back to, uh, a couple of down days for um, Tesla's share price. It went down by, I think, 5%, then 10% uh, on Monday and Tuesday, so much, much earlier this week. Um, and uh, since then, the stock's rallied a bit and moved around a bit since then. But um, on news that Elon's selling, Tesla's stock is down a bit. I read earlier this week that he'd shipped out the first kind of 5 billion of that. Um, there's There's more to come, I think. We saw yeah, them before the, the poll had ended. <laughs> oh. it's a, yeah, the, the poll seemed to be a bit of a cover-up for uh, him actually selling them anyway. Mm-hmm. I mean, he may then go on to sell 10 billion, uh, whatever he was selling more of. But, um, but yeah, the, uh, it looks like he exercised his options way before and sold a load of shares to cover it. Um, yep, September he sold 1.1 billion, as far as we can tell. So he was already doing it before it. And obviously, uh, his brother Kimball sold the day before the announcement or the poll, uh, which is very famous. Uh, oh God, it's just getting really dodgy, isn't it? Uh, yeah, today uh, it's come out that he sold five five billion. Um, he still holds more than one hundred and sixty-six million in shares, and uh, the the shares were worth over three point eight billion. But it, I think, it lost around two three hundred billion didn't it in the day based on the news so yeah it's kind of a cover-up he's been selling it off for a couple of months now and now he's asking the shareholders i guess or all on twitter whether he should sell um is it is tesla overvalued i don't trust elon musk as far as i can uh, even write his name down but um so i do wonder about this kind of twitter thing uh, professional Tesla agitator Michael Burry was saying that I think 41% of Elon's shares are basically put up as collateral against personal loans that he has anyway. So there's a strong chance that he might have to sell some of them anyway, um, which isn't the end of the world. But I do wonder, do you, do you trust the like legitimacy of that poll? Um, Elon could find enough people to make sure that poll went his way and say, I'm selling it because the Twitter people say so, right? Uh, even if he was selling them anyway. I just don't think it really matters, does it? I think if he would sell the shares regardless of the the poll, I think the poll is just some kind of like thinly veiled cover up to try and <clears throat> try and make it look like this is what the people wanted. I voted, I voted for uh, yes, just for I voted bit, yes as well. A bit of a laugh, yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to see the sort of carnage that fell out the back of it, which is what I assume everybody else wanted to. But hey, if you think Tesla's undervalued at its current rate. Elon shipping a few hundred million Tesla shares or whatever into the market is going to make it cheaper for you and 
you know, I don't, I'm past the point of caring or knowing if Tesla is overvalued or, or correctly valued. I just know that I'm happy to watch it and not be part of it. I think a yeah, lot of people definitely. should think it's undervalued, shouldn't they? I mean, <clears throat> they were holding them at the start of the week at whatever price they were, and if they thought they were overvalued, they ought to sell them. Uh, now they're cheaper. Um, you can still think they're, you know, within a sensible range of fair value or something if you want, but, I mean, you can't think that they're much less valuable. I saw a kind of uh, a YouTube thumbnail that I didn't click on, and I, I sort of regret not clicking on it, but, you know, I've only got so many hours in my entire life to look at things, and... <laughs> I have to kind of deal these out. But it was uh, Kramer talking about a different Tesla dip, uh, in fairness. This is an older video now, but it said, Kramer, why selling Tesla on a dip is a mistake? Um, surely selling anything on a fucking dip is a mistake. Uh, you're not supposed <laughs> to sell them when they start going down. Uh, you're supposed to work out that you don't like them at whatever price it is and then sell them if you want uh, and then watch them go down. But you shouldn't start changing your mind once something starts going down and think, Oh no! Maybe it's not worth what I paid for it. I should go and sell it. Uh, that seems to be that seems to be a fairly terrible idea to me. Selling Tesla on a dip, but I didn't yeah, listen just... to Kramer's deep and insightful review on that. <laughs> okay, so speaking of dips, there's been a lot of companies that have taken a dip this um, week. So we've got to talk about. I've got a little bit on walk workhorse, which we could do if we have time. Uh, Beyond Meat, Tattoo Chef, and Disney. Which one do you want to talk about first? Disney. Disney, 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 Disney. Came out of the blue, didn't it? Uh, anyone? I'll do the facts and figures on this one. I've got uh, the numbers you if you to. want them. I've got them in front of me. Yeah, do you want to run them? You go for it. Yeah, just just the quick ones, really. I, I, I've only pulled the quarter ones. It was actually Disney's full year end as well, but there was they were fairly unremarkable. Um, the full year results, but um, quarter results was EPS thirty seven cents. Uh, there was expected fifty one cents, so that's a fairly decent miss. Thirty three percent miss. Eighteen point five three billion in revenue versus eighteen point seven nine billion expected. So again, another miss. 2.1 million subscriber addition to Disney Plus uh, takes the total to 118.1 million. So that was in line. Um, Chapek predicted that there would be uh, Chapek or Tony Mowbray here, Paul, um, <laughs> predicted low single digit millions uh, additions in the fourth quarter. Um, quite a bit less than the 9.4 million that um, was expected on Wall Street. And he also reiterated the goal of 230 to 260 million Disney Plus subscribers by 2024, indicated that there's quite a ramping content to come up. One of the interesting things I spotted was that the monthly ARPU was down. Um, mm. It was down mm. 9%. And when you look at it, it was just really to do with the way that Disney are bundling the services overseas, uh, particularly in sort of India and Indonesia. Uh, They're bundling a few services together at a lower price, obviously, to try and get more traction. Um, Best stat of the lot was direct-to-consumer business was up 38%, 4.8 billion. So um, pretty decent from from that angle. Um, they gave a couple of other updates which were worth noting that cinema, um, content-wise, the licensing revenues were up 9%, um, but they actually made a loss of 65 million. They said that a lot of the studios were up and running, but there's disruption still uh, across the board. They also talked about a Disney metaverse, but I couldn't tell you and he couldn't tell you either what that even begins to look like. Um, and they just mentioned that the parks, um, they're now um, positive operating income for the first time since the pandemic. Um, but they have reported an extra billion pound in costs just meeting the government's guidelines on cleaning and, and safety and what have you. So that was really it for the Disney report. It was a, a well, a miss, but, you know, I don't think anybody here is buying Disney for this quarter of results. We're looking for that 230 to 260 million Disney Plus results in, in 2020. 24 and, and the content generation around it um i still believe they're on track to achieve that 
Um, so yeah, there's nothing really to be worried about here. Um, not quite a buying opportunity either. I don't, I don't know. I think Steve bought a few, um, but I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. It didn't get to my price. I've slightly done Steve in there a little bit. We were talking prices uh, earlier in the week as to what we might like um, Disney at, and I might have said a number that it got to, uh, and then got greedy and waited for it to go down a bit further. Uh, which it did not so I uh, have not um, actually bought anything but I can see why Steve might think I have Uh, (laughs) it's interesting I viewed this Disney thing as a a kind of interesting sort of representation of this quarter's earnings in general we're sort of winding towards the end of the earnings season as far as I can tell by which I mean most of the things that I'm interested in have now reported one way or another and as Steve said everyone's kind of looking at the moment at Disney Plus uh, as the kind of growth engine for this so there's parks that are reopening and there's studio entertainments and so on and there's uh, their kind of st- uh, studios and media and what have you but the real thing people are looking at for growth is Disney Plus and it feels like a lot of that growth got pulled forward during the pandemic and this is a sort of theme that we've seen for quite a few tech companies basically their earnings have come forward they're now up against tough comps and they're not growing at the rate that maybe everyone suddenly thought they were going to because when they grew a lot during the pandemic in really favorable conditions for things like disney plus everyone went oh this is going to go forever it's going to grow like an absolute weed and now it's growing at sort of more normal rates that's a deceleration in growth i mean it's in line with chapex guidance from what i saw of it um which is uh, in fairness I saw Chapek talking on CNBC and I thought, this is the most boring man to be running a company like Disney <laughs> that I can even imagine, basically. I think of Disney and I think of, the word that comes to mind is magic, right? And I don't believe in like card trick magic and stuff, but uh, I sort of feel like I want someone enthusiastic and vibrant and Chapek is the most boring human I've ever seen. You kind of want your CEO to look like they ought to be in charge of that company. Um, but I mean, this says like nothing it. to his competence. He just seems like a wild charisma vacuum to me. Um, yeah, he but that was one of my major takeaways. Look like, he doesn't look like he goes home and watches Snow White with the kids. He's got more like he, he looks more like he goes home and he watches MMA, and that might be why they brought in ESPN <laughs> Plus or something. But uh, it's uh, it's yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. But yeah, I saw I, from what little I saw of seen of it so far was that. Um, it's on track. It's still. I, I. I. What I haven't looked at is the growth rate comparison to Netflix, which is one I wanted to look at. But I was very, very impressed with um, the strategy they've got going into India because they are still very, very far behind Netflix as far as growth into Asian countries goes, and they have a possibility here because they've got all of that. I mean, places like India and China love that Disney stuff. Um, all, all those all those sorts of stories there, there's a lot of growth there and they're delivering it on cheap at the moment i think yes if you I, I do like to think of this as a buying opportunity as as such but like you guys i don't think it got to where i wanted to it, they get to like 160 or something like that and 158 and, and a few pennies I think, yeah it's just a little bit high for me still especially with the uncertainties around the parks and things going forward so I was looking at the kind of numbers on these, and if you kind of look at the earnings guidance much, much, much further out and so on, Netflix is still looking at sort of 30 times 20, 24 earnings. Disney's now under 20, and I think in all of our cases, I think all three of us own Disney. It's a stock that I always forget that all three of us own, for what it's worth. When I think of what we all own, I think Bristol Myers Squibb, I think Legal in general, 
Uh, and that's about it, pretty much. Uh, but we do all own Disney, and it's one of these things that I think it's very easy, in a good way, uh, to just forget that you own. Uh, just own yeah. it and keep it and forget about it. And in a sense, we'd like to be like that about more of these things, because I guess we all sort of think that Disney's yeah, content basically will win out, right? It has an enormous back catalogue of stuff that people will keep going to, and the rate that keeps growing is quite impressive. I was watching my... Uh, godson and he loves stuff like frozen and moana and you know things that were never around in quote unquote my day um but uh they're a super impressive outfit and i kind of think 20 times earnings in 2024 i mean i'm going to be holding it long through 2024 i'm going to be holding it in 2060 or something i kind of wonder whether you can go for it and wait on this one a little bit yeah almost there's no way of overpaying yeah, one of the uh, yeah, I do feel like that sometimes, and, and like we talk about these swan stocks and stuff, it is one of those companies where it's just very easy to buy and just hopefully forget about it because over the past hundred years or so, they've uh, they've been perfectly fine and it's earned a lot of people a lot of money. There are a couple of risks though. One of the ones which was Marvel. Um, everyone sees that as a very big growth driver for Disney Plus and uh, and its content. But on the other hand, a lot of people are saying that Marvel and all that story is kind of done and dead, and people don't really want to watch that anymore because it's just going to be rehashed crap. What do we? How do we feel about that? How, do you guys watch any Marvel or anything like that? I don't, but I am wary about rehashed crap, um, for what it's worth. Uh, I mean, you could feed it to Steve at the moment and he wouldn't be able to taste any different, but beyond <laughs> that kind of idea, one thing that I do note about Disney versus Netflix is that Disney has a in some ways, more limited uh, range of content that it can kind of win at. So it does kind of need to lean on its sort of legacy things like Marvel um, and so on, because Disney won't and can't um, give us something like Squid Game, I would guess. I mean, it's, that's ludicrously off-brand uh, for Disney. Netflix can. Uh, it's absolutely a Netflix thing. They have a kind of bigger pool to fish in in a certain way, but without the same legacy stuff. So I guess that's where my wariness of Marvel comes in a little bit. If you try and reheat that too many times, because you kind of have to, because you can't go looking for the next... I mean, even something like Queen's Gambit, which is sort of reasonably friendly, I think, uh, would be off-brand for Disney. So it still has the possibility, because we've got Hulu, and Hulu has a lot of interesting shows that are based on that. In the UK, it's called Star at Present, but I think it's being changed over to to a Hulu type thing. And that's got a lot on it. That's got Family Guy and it's all the Fox channels and things like that. So there is there is a lot of off-brand Disney stuff that goes on on Disney+. And I don't think people are aware of that. They think that, oh, you just get a bit of Pixar and you get a bit of Marvel and you get some Star Wars. But there's a whole big black uh, back catalogue of, of all sorts of different stuff that they're taking away. Uh, as Hulu, they're taking away from Netflix. And it's... It's big old, big old back catalogue. But Muppets. like you say, new stuff. I'm not. Uh, yeah, it's got the Muppets. I, you know what? That was really. <laughs> fun. I, I, I watched that series. It was really fun. Um, they, they've they've added an adult edge to the Muppets these days, <laughs> which is quite funny. Miss Piggy like dressed in all sorts. Quite quite nice. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say, Marvel Marvel Phase Four is just round the corner before Paul gets on. Like on yeah. his animal porn, um, oh. <laughs> but yeah, um, Phase Four on the corner. I think it's pretty tough to judge Phase Four. Really, we're going to get Spider Man. It's probably going to be the first sort of main Phase Four 
big film. Um, let's judge them on on those, which have been fantastic films so far. Um, they've not changed the writing team. The the stories are still there to pick from. Um, I think the issue is that Avengers probably finished on a bang, but you know they're just as good as bringing along a new a new series. And I'm sure cinemas will be packed out before long with the next Disney next Disney film. So there's a lot to come. Um, there's even Star Wars stuff to come as well, still. So. You know, yep. talking about things that you thought you thought might be uh, done to death. There's there's still tons of and, stories they want to explore in every universe. So, and let's not forget the Star Wars parks aren't even open yet. Then they are ridiculously uh, intense. Apparently, <clears throat> they're, they're I think they're quite elitist. I think it costs a lot of money to get into those Star Wars parks, but apparently they are big and and uh, they've really gone all out and they're going to be a big money driver. And they and uh, is this going to be a Scott Galloway thing again? Where um, we're talking about like revenue bundles and possibly in the future by um, signing up to Disney Plus, you're going to automatically get discounts on Disney holidays. And this might be something that they're missing out on so far. You know, you by having that Disney Plus pass, you get access to the parks for cheaper. You get access to certain foods for cheaper, blah, blah, blah. And you start to create big old uh, packages big old bundles uh, and that's what we've got in the f in the future if you wanted a growth uh story there that's that's where a big part of the growth story for for disney and disney plus comes it's not just that it's a it's a rival to netflix it's that it's going to integrate and and netflix are doing the same as well i saw some netflix toys out very recently um like physically i saw it was netflix branded it might have been a squid game netflix branded thing um oh, toy have they got like a, a japanese oh sorry korean doll that shoots people uh they do in manchester <laughs> uh the traffic center oh, has caused a bit of a stir because they've literally put a massive doll in the middle of the traffic center and it plays red light green light and uh, there's been a lot of complaints <laughs> Really? Took, they've 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 replaced the christmas tree with it so it's it's where the christmas right. tree goes and uh it's, it's uh, i haven't re fully read that story but yeah they're, they're trying to they're doing real life red light green light and stuff in in uh, janitor having there, to so. mop up all those marble floors <laughs> <laughs> he's just going around, he's going around with his little hoover just like sucking up children and uh, <laughs> like different body parts <laughs> That's what right, it's like okay. in the Trafford Centre, people. Mm. <laughs> well, that's just Manchester in general. Um, <laughs> right, <laughs> moving on next, uh, we have uh, Beyond Meat. Beyond Meat this week has taken a bit of a beating. Uh, I believe 13% down just today. Um, based on really, really poor uh, grocery demand and quite, quite bad uh, guidance going forward, we've got... Uh, revenue fell 13.9%, and can we really blame that on uh, the lockdown? Really, that should still be going up. It's, it's, it shouldn't have benefited from the comps here. It, it should have it should have this constant growth being being a bit of a burger company. Uh, stock created 19% in pre-market trading. Uh, I think officially it went down 13%. Loss per share, 87 cents versus 39 cents expected. Revenue, 106 million versus uh, 109 million expected. So missed, missed 
on that. Um, we should really talk about um, whether earnings reports are actually worth it or earnings expectations are actually worth talking about at this point because it's been having a big effect on this on these share prices in, during this earnings season in particular. <coughs> uh, but uh, a lot of bad guidance going forward saying that they don't expect um, Beyond Meat to grow very well. Uh, we've got... Uh, the forecast doesn't indicate a sunnier fourth quarter. Beyond Meat is predicting sales of 85 million to 10, 110 million uh, when they were expecting 131 million. So, looking a bit odd for Beyond Meat. How do we feel about Beyond Meat? Uh, oh. I think a lot of people know my my opinion of them. Go on. Oh, boo-hoo. Uh, so fourth quarter's not going to be great uh, for forecasting <laughs> guidance. I mean, the big thing for Beyond Meat was never coming in Q4 anyway, was it? It was coming with the McPlant burger or whatever the hell it's going to be um, called. And that's coming out next year, I think, or or I think that's right. Yeah, yeah. They said they're, they're feeling optimistic about 22, uh, hinted yeah. at new product launches next year. So they do feel optimistic in in the coming years but yeah apparently you get to shave 20 percent off your share price just by missing analyst estimates that's as far as i can tell right now so let's go to a bigger question and we'll probably talk about tattoo chef on top of this as well um what do we think of analyst estimates do we think they're worth worth it um not by themselves no i wouldn't do the thing that i've seen some people do uh which is basically just write down analyst estimates and say look this is what the company's going to do because they're almost never right in this story if however you want to use the analyst uh you'll like this paul qualitative stuff um mm -hmm. about as part of your story and figuring out look here's what i think beyond meat can be i think they will um pick up i don't know they will launch a uh, plant burger in mcdonald's they will take about 13 percent or so of uh the burgers that are sold there because that's how many impossible make out burger king and so on i reckon that will amount to this in revenues that will amount to this in uh earnings eventually free cash flow like this you can compare your story there to an analyst story for sure i wouldn't just take the average of the analysts and say here you are that's what the eps number is going to be uh that doesn't seem to me like a worthwhile the thing exercise. is though that there's a lot of people doing you know if you take what 40 analysts that will be uh, comparing um uh, beyond meat there they're, they're all doing that job right mm -hmm. you got 40 people who've all made the same thing so what's what's yours going to be thrown into it is it worth just listening to these people for a little bit and taking into account what they're saying no, no data is as good as the data the company itself is going to give you so the company will make forecasts at the beginning of the quarter and they'll tell you exactly what it is uh, if they're gonna, if they, if they're gonna forecast 110 to 115 million in revenue, and the analyst is gonna say you're gonna, you're gonna do 135 million, and then the stock goes down when they don't get the 135, and they fall exactly in the bracket that they predicted, it, it's a very strange sort of. Um, strange sort of scenario it's one of the things i do i like to look at the analyst predictions and i, I like to look at their the stories and how they get to those figures but if you compare them back to the revenue that the company is projecting you want to look at those numbers for reality and then the analyst for the story and usually somewhere in between is where it hits um and with this, Beyond Meat is a funny business. It's it's a very hyped stock. It's now down 36.5% on the year, so it's been a very poor performer this year for anybody who's uh, who's unfortunately bought it in January. Um, I don't really see 
I don't see a future for it, to be honest, at the moment. I just don't think the switch to plant-based meat is is here. Um, and we said this before about industries where Ooh, we have... Um, big, big, <clears throat> well, big. Well, we've said it before. That's that exclusive, we think, guys. No, but we, we think that there will be a, a switch to plant-based meat in the future, but that doesn't mean that it'll be one of the companies you can currently buy in the stock market. And we have that with a lot of trends. Um so yeah, I I don't see it as a winner. I don't see Tattoo Chef as a long term winner either, um, for that record. And uh I think lab grown meat and uh pastes is probably more likely where we'll be going. <laughs> yeah. I mean I um, can't taste it, so I don't give a shit. <laughs> Stick it yeah, all in so the blender and give me a straw. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, mentioning Tattoo Chef, they have now delayed their third quarter earnings release, which, um, tell me, does it, what does that mean for a company? Whenever a company does that, is is that good news or bad news? That's disaster, isn't it? It's disaster. It, 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 nobody delays their earnings, especially that close to when their earnings are due for a good reason. Um, so, you know, you've got to expect that something's not happened Uh or their accounting is wrong, or they've missed something. It's gonna, it's gonna be a shit show. I can already, I can already feel it. When did they release that? Uh, they, did they release that information a few days ago, November tenth? Yeah, a few days ago. So um, yesterday. Yeah. And <laughs> uh, so it's down one point one six on that news. Uh, down six percent on the just on the week. So that isn't. That hasn't really affected it. That delay in earnings hasn't really affected it. So the market hasn't really seen that. Maybe a short, uh, short, short uh, idea there because the market hasn't seen that or recognised that. At least the retail investors haven't at all. Um, yeah, it's bad news, right? It's always bad news when they've they've messed up something that close and and they've delayed it. Unless they're just trying to distance themselves from uh, Beyond Meat at the moment because they're going to be caught up in that same same uh kind of whirlwind at that time um but i love uh, i i've been putting this out on the discord quite a few times i think kathy wood has missed uh lab grown meat as well as the one of the next um disruptors of the world uh for that reason i'm investing in tyson foods which are doing plant-based meat and lab grown meat and uh, i'm invested in agic uh i think it's i think that's the uh, ticker symbol agronomics which is uh, a fund that's run by the former head of uh innocent smoothies i forgot his name and he's invested in all sorts of random lab lab grown um companies i've got a few few shares in there but i'm always going to push um lab grown meat and um uh, genetically modified animal products um or genetically grown animal products uh, because i think i personally see that as the future i see that way more than uh plant-based meat the other obvious way to play is unilever Oh, and Kellogg's, believe it or not. <clears throat> yeah, uh, Kellogg's was going to be my uh, thing there. I mean, when we're not busy shoving apples into strawberry pop tarts and stuff, uh, we're busy turning plants into animals and and the like. Uh, so Morningstar Farms is Kellogg's thing, and they have Incognito as their thing, which is the best brand name ever uh, yeah. for a, a fake meat thing. <laughs> Someone somewhere doing victory laps over that one, but yeah, uh, uh, fair but, enough but, for them. It's not very. It's not very public knowledge, is it? Incognito is like, like you say, perfect, 
perfect name for a company. And I mm. cannot understand why Tattooed Chef is the one that's managed to make it into the into the YouTube world. Well, Unilever's is just called the Vegetarian Butcher, which just shows you that there's, there's not an awful lot of... Uh... <laughs> That shows, the, that for, shows for a, the vision. For a company with like a million brands, they've gone off oh, fuck coming up with a brand. I quite like that. Vegetarian butcher makes it sound like they just go around murdering vegetarians to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like a Halloween thing, isn't it? It's like <laughs> you've got like, oh, she's in the back of the cupboard eating the carrot, and behind her, Jason just comes up with the knife. <laughs> but they, they just to sort of like they are out there doing it. Unilever, I think you both raised an eyebrow at that, but they did the Rebel Whopper, so um, that's that's where they're from. So. It's it's unbelievable that people are battering these two companies, Beyond Meat and Tattoo Chef, when some mm. of the biggest companies already out there are running this. And and what's best is they may not have the pricing power, but they do have the uh, the research power, and they also have they've they've got the scalability already there. And that's what I don't understand because some of the biggest problems with Tattoo Chef and Beyond Meat is their scalability, their ability to to bring this to market when you've got companies which are able, like Tyson Foods, like Unilever, are able to bring generic branded same stuff, exactly the same stuff. It's not here so much in the UK, I don't think. Uh, in America, they've got um, the Tattooed Chef, like we always talk about skews, skews, skews. They've got loads of skews in the, in the fridge. Uh, and that's your anecdotal evidence of the company doing quite well. But if you go to other companies like Norway and France, which uh, I went to, I actually went to look at the vegetarian aisles in those countries. They're actually doing pretty well, and they're all generics. I didn't realise vegetarianism is a thing in France. It's definitely not in Paris, right? I mean, that's no, no, it's not strong. Of course, it's not. It's, it's definitely behind, but they do very much focus like the the areas that they do have the vegetarian aisles in mm. in the stores. Same in Norway, uh, very very meat eatery type place because they basically can't grow any vegetables um turnip but that's about all i can think of and uh, <laughs> racism xenophobia <laughs> <laughs> um but uh, in, in in their vegetarian art it's all generic stuff there's there's not any brands or anything like that but there is a lot of it i will say it's expensive but it is there is a lot of it so here's one thing I saw about Beyond Meat. I was this came up and surprised me. I was poking around on Morningstar looking for things that are worth uh, looking into. So before going into its earnings, it was priced at about ninety five dollars a share. Coming out of its earnings at the end of that day, it was uh, down to around eighty one dollars um, a share. Any idea what Morningstar think the fair value there might be? Um, because I can tell you, and it might surprise you. Go on, it's, it's more, isn't it? I think. I think it was relatively high, but mm. um, you know we're sixty five percent down from all time high, and that's where that's where I first owned it and sold it. Uh, I made I, I made quite a good decision there by the looks of things. Um, but yeah, they they probably have a good forward view of it. Uh, their analysts are pretty. They're a very good forward view. Uh, they have one hundred and nineteen on it, which puts it at about twenty five thirty ish percent discount. I mean that's. That's a substantial discount if you think that valuation's that... right. I mean, they're also and doubtful th about the Q4 coming up, but they're more positive longer term than that. 
And they are, that's based on analysts, is it? Or is it based on... Um... And that's based on uh, their analyst. You can read their write-up on it and the assumptions okay, that go so, into it. Okay, so they do have a full write-up on it as well. Yep. What, what uncertainty. Yes, sorry, it's not an algo thing. You're right about that, yeah. Yeah. yeah very good. Uh, uncertainty oh, rating's oh. high, so it's the same as sort of Google or Facebook. Fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I think we'll leave it there. I did have a bit on Workhorse. Basically, the story there on Workhorse would be just to rub it in even further to people who were pumping it um, with the CEO, CEO recently coming out saying their flagship um, truck, the C1000, um, which is, uh, yeah, it, it doesn't work. Um, it, uh, they've, they've had feedback from yeah they've they've had feedback from all of the um, FedEx and everything like that all these all these companies that they were apparently going to sell to and these companies so it looks like um, the government um, who decided the USPS contract who decided against uh, Workhorse to build these have absolutely scored a blinder because they were about to be sold a uh, uh, hundred thousand trucks or six billion worth of trucks that weren't going to work very very simple how the hell um that company got into the public eye is incredible on that note <laughs> we'll um uh we'll say bye there thank you very much for listening we uh come back every week we talk about financial news and stocks anything we're really interested in and we make really bad jokes and play stupid games uh thank you uh if you like this leave it a like subscribe on the youtube channel leave us a five dollar review on spotify and audible and everywhere you can listen to it um and we will see you next week I'm amazed how many people own stocks. I'm amazed how many people own stocks. The sucker's going up.